Hi, I'm Abby, and here on B-Sides, I talk to people, sometimes myself, about their B-Sides. You know, like records? Gosh, I'm old. It's the artist's choice, the hidden gem, the surprise track, that worn-in, groovy side that flips your mood and lights you up. Okay, it's not that kind of podcast, but I just want to talk about what fuels you from the inside. Not that side you play and repeat every day. Your better side. Your B-side. And now let's see who's B-side Abby today. Everyone wants to think global, 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 but really like change only occurs when we start small. (sighs) Hey guys, welcome back. So I've spoken on here in small ways about any struggles that I may have had in my life things that I've had to overcome or work through in order to now feel like the best me that I can and perhaps drop nuggets of wisdom that I've picked up in doing so along the way. But I've never been unwelcome in a space or thrown out of a space because of the way that I look or who I choose to love or who I choose to be. Have you? I can only really know what it's like to be a white cisgender woman. Everyone has had pain in their life, and it's not up to us to compare our pain to another's, but it is up to us to listen to everyone, to learn from those who may look different than we do, from those who have a different story to tell. Part of my journey in life is not only discovering who I am meant to be and owning that unapologetically. It is also to work towards allowing others to do that exact same thing in the exact same space, with the exact same freedom as I do. I'm only one voice. But knowing when to use it, and then when to silence it for the chance for others to use theirs, is what it means to have compassion. And compassion is what it takes to be fully human. And with that being said... It is my deep pleasure to introduce you to my conversation with the brilliant pastry chef, recipe developer, writer, editor, father, queer food champion, and advocate for all voices, and my dear friend, Justin Burke. Hi. Hi. Hi, handsome. I have been through like tech hell. (laughs) (laughs) And also from here down is a chicken pot pie stain that nobody wants to see. I'm wearing like workout shorts. Yeah. Our patio collapsed. Hmm. And and so (laughs) we, um, surprise, uh, I've had a crew come and demo today. Today, yay. Uh, And so if we hear crushing of concrete, that's why. Don't be worried. (laughs) Don't be worried. It's only crushing concrete. Yeah. I mean, honestly... After the year we've had, I'm just, it's I just concrete. It. I just roll with it. I know. Thank you so much for doing this. Duh. Thanks for like <laughs> asking me. <laughs> I um yeah. I mean, from the second that I thought about thinking about having a podcast, I was like, I have to talk to Justin. I just find everything that you do and what you have done so incredibly interesting and powerful. And I'm, I'm very giddy to just like hear you talk. Uh, Well, thank you. I mean, (laughs) I feel like everything I've done is just insane. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you say that? I don't know. I mean, the running joke in my family is that I don't do anything easy. So yeah, my mom's always like, well, that's, that's a Justin way. 
<laughs> oh, a Justin way. Well, I think I, I don't know how you interpret that. I think things like that used to really bother me when I was a kid, because I, when you're a kid, I think you feel like, oh, that's being different or doing things in any different way. Well, that's abnormal, which means wrong. Nor- yeah. Not normal was wrong. And now I look at that as like, I wear it as a badge almost to kind of, oh, yeah. I mean, growing way. up, I grew up in a really small town conservative small town and so anytime you heard that's different that meant bad <laughs> yeah where did you grow up again uh, I so i grew up in but... barstow california so um you know the movie aaron brockovich with julia roberts yes. that's my hometown oh, so great you can okay. <laughs> yeah that's the reaction okay so there's <laughs> these two reactions there's the, that reaction which i want people to have like oh oh god but then there are the other you ones where the movie? Like, and then there are the other ones that are like, oh my God, I love that movie. I'm like, I'm, you liked watching people suffering <laughs> with poisoned water. Right. Yeah. Is it just the, yeah. like, well, you like Julia Roberts and that's why? Like, right. okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think small towns tend to have their, their mm, exclusivity within their little yeah. bubble and anybody who traditionally speaking, somebody who would, is trying to uh, get away from that bubble then they're the troublemaker the black sheep yeah i mean there's beauty in a small town i mean for sure the sense of community and like loyalty storytelling and cross them or if you're different i know watch out (laughs) yeah when i was in my 20s living in boston you know i hated my hometown i resented everything about it how i grew up their closed-mindedness. I mean, it made my life growing up much harder. But now as a, like, I say when you're in your thirties, you become an adult. (laughs) As an adult and now as a parent, I see the value, certain things that I was exposed to or I was able to do in that small town that definitely shaped me into more of a family person. Um, I get that. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that's a normal thing to do. I think that like, there's the immediate sense of rebellion that comes from feeling like you're being held back and then you break free and then you want to go in the opposite direction of everything. And then slowly you, you start to recognize, okay, not everything there was bad. What can I piece together and find a balance between yeah. that extreme and this extreme? Exactly. That's... Being a, <laughs> yeah, being a parent. Well, the Ooh. last thing I heard about Jasper was that he flushed your AirPods. <laughs> Down yeah, there. he's a, he's curious. He's well. <laughs> we're we're in the um. Are you ready to start potty training phase? Okay. Um, and right now he really likes flushing the toilet. But I'm like, this yeah, is. I think that's normal. That's a part of going to the bathroom. Maybe yeah. that's his that's his gateway drug into like that's, Yeah, exactly. So that's his his thing where we have to make sure that he gets to flush the toilet. So he'll take this like disco glowing the glow in the dark bowl and like throw it around and it's like a disco party and we have a lot of fun but it always ends up on the toilet (laughs) yeah it's all fun and games until it ends up in the toilet yeah literally yeah (laughs) are are you so you you've been a single parent yeah and do you still consider yourself a single parent because you're you're with somebody? Or do you how how how, how would you? That's a great question. It's funny because no one's really asked me that. It's something that I've been thinking about myself. I would consider myself a single parent, even though 
who I'm dating is very much involved, 100% part of the family, my ex-husband and, and his partner, like we all, it takes a village. And, you know, That's these true. relationships will eventually, hopefully turn into like marriage if we decide that's where we want to go with it however we want to construct a relationship but you know they're our partners are two very influential people in jasper's life so you know as of right now we both kind of say we're single parents but you know i think we look at that because there hasn't been that definitive like conversation of what our partnerships look like there's no need to really define something unless someone says let's define this Absolutely. I mean, we're definitely, and I come from a family with divorced parents and I, I, I understand the, the consequences of it, not those relationships, not being managed well. Yeah. Um, and the, just the toxic environment that can be created with that. And, and it was very important for me when my ex-husband and I decided to split that we still remained a family. And we talked about, you know, relationships transition, our relationship started as friendship and then became, we were, we were dating. And then we, you know, in, within dating, we broke up for a while and then we got back together and, and our relationship has always changed and evolved. And, you know, one of our greatest accomplishments was having our child, but our relationship changes. And, and we wanted to make sure that we taught Jasper that relationships aren't one thing. That's it's beautiful. a lot of work. I mean, there's not much education on co-parenting it's it's relatively a new thing at least in the states so yeah. you know there's a lot of people have questions uh, <laughs> yeah they already have questions about like gay parenting but then they go into like gay co-parenting and i'm like it's just parenting like there's no gender or like sexual orientation to it it's just parenting that's so interesting that they're, it's hard for, I struggle with saying times are changing because there's people who have refused to, to want to see different ways are now being forced to see different ways of life. So that's, so I, that's why I struggle with saying times are changing. It's right. Hard. But when there's the people who are questioning because they truly don't know, and they hopefully will go from ignorance to education, mm-hmm. then I think that's, that is a beautiful thing. Um, tact is always, is always key in those questions. But then there's also when there's a judgment placed on. Yeah. They just, you know. I've, I'm, I'm a very open person. I've always been a very open person. Um, but sometimes these mm-hmm. questions people ask, I'm like, you did not just ask me that. <laughs> or, or that you're like, or do you feel like sometimes you have to be like, why am I, yeah, why do I have to be your it's Google? It's not my responsibility. It should not be my responsibility mm-hmm. to, to give you this awakening and then nope. come alongside you during this awakening to teach you everything. You know, it's a very personal, if you want to take that direction and, and like change to become more open-minded and, and have new ways of thinking, you can't put that responsibility on, on the other folks who, you know, that you're trying to learn from it. It's, it's a lot, it's a, a lot of personal reflection, a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just one conversation you should be reading. You should be exposing yourself to different media, you know, television, podcasts, print, you know, sure. put yourself in a very uncomfortable situation because it'll force you to really digest it. If it's just a, you know, performative act of like, here's my rainbow flag of saying I support queer folk or mm-hmm. I have a gay friend or I have a gay best friend, which uh-huh. I will shut that down in a heartbeat. And I do it every time. Um, 
you know, yeah. <sighs> yeah. But <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I would imagine that feeling that insane pressure of having to be someone's North star with certain mm-hmm. things is just, it, it, it's gotta be maddening because right now you, you have to choose to be ignorant. Yes. You have to, it is an active choice. And I have no tolerance for, for ignorance now. It's just so, it's so interesting to me too, like in the past year, how everyone's like, oh my God, there's white privilege and white supremacy. I'm like, what rock have you been living under? You Absolutely. Know? I know. Like, I, oh man, I, I, I went through, I, I had to settle myself down last year at everything like just like yelling I was yelling at white people to the point where it was really really affecting me and I had to just like I I had to go on a social media cleanse because I couldn't take it well there was a whole I mean I got into arguments with people who I mean like it it exists like how how are you not aware of this and they would Mm -hmm. look at me and they're like well you're white you know Mm -hmm. and 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 this is coming from other white this is coming from like straight cisgendered white people and I'm like mm-hmm. yeah, no I know I am and I understand where my privilege lies like I could easily yeah. walk into a place and pass for straight though I'm sure I would give it away <laughs> but like I know I have that that capability to blend in if I wanted to because that's a white. choice and I'm not choosing that and I'm also choosing to be very hyper aware of that because of the color of my skin and because I'm cisgender male that mm-hmm. I could easily take advantage of that. Yeah. And, and I, and I keep saying like, just because you acknowledge that doesn't make it make you a bad person. Like I'm not taking advantage of that. It's be, you are being aware of it. You're being, your perception of it is acknowledging it and putting it, not putting it into action and actually yeah. taking it back and preventing it from happening and being abused. I don't know yeah. if it necessarily made sense what I just said, but no, yeah, I think, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I really challenge, especially in like the queer community who are cisgendered and, and white, like just because you're gay doesn't give you a pass. Right. Like, like you have to, you have to acknowledge that you still have privilege among other races yeah. You, you just can't abuse it. And yeah. I, I, I think I've been, that's where my attention's been at most is like occupying the space that I occupy and trying to like work on that corner of the world, yeah. which is my, my queer community. Um, yeah. Well, that's how, that's how big education on a very large scale can be successful is if everybody does their part and educates around them what they can actually educate on. You know, I can speak from the place of being a woman and and what you know struggles I might have had with that, but I'm also white and very privileged. And I'm aware of all those things. But what I can do is I can educate other white males and females around me in that. And I I don't know what it's like to grow up in any other way than how I did, but it's owning what it is that you are and then educating the people around you and on that small scale I think that that's how big changes happen when it comes down to it I just always tell the people I have conversations with I'm like just think before you say something oh god yeah or if if you don't know what you're about to say is 
from a, a place of ignorance or privilege. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can have dialogue with it. You can, it's the only way we're going to get better. It's the only way we're going to change and dismantle this and relearn or unlearn what we've been taught. But like, don't, don't come in it like a bull in a China shop. Like, yeah. like have grace with the with yourself have grace with the context of the conversation have grace with the people you're talking to um once it escalates into emotional and and anger and defensiveness it's just like you got to stop the conversation because there's no there's no way it's going to get better yeah what i find is that people a lot of times people don't do their own personal work before they bring it to others Mm -hmm. And I've had to deal with that in a, in a personal ways in, in my life where I've had to put up boundaries and I've had to say, we're not going to have discussions until you can meet me where I am and please do the work on your own. And then we right. can have a conversation on the same level, but I'm not going to be your coach through this. Yeah. If I was able to do work on myself on my own, you can do the same thing. You at least owe me that respect. So, and that's, really? that extends out into all other situations of just like people need to take ownership in just own your shit. Like even if your shit was given to you and you didn't even know you had it right now, white people recognize that you've been given a lot of shit and you got to do the work. Well, the other thing too, is like with social media, you know, there's this pressure of like, like there's the performative side of it, but then there's like the pressure to participate in the performative side of it. And you know, I only posted or I, I only post or I only say something when I feel very comfortable to be able to stand behind that and defend it if I need to. There you go. Um, I never put anything out there that I'm still educating myself on because I don't want to misspeak. I'm trying to make space for the right voices who, who, should have the authority to talk about X, Y, and Z. And I'm, I'm digesting everything. I mean, just because I'm very progressive in thinking and always have been, there's so much more to learn. And there's, there, there, it will always, we will always be learning and understanding. I mean, that's the whole point of life is is a journey, right? Like the whole point of life is this journey of experience and understanding and like, the humanistic, the humanist inside of me is like the connection with people. Um, but the whole social media thing and and that performative, it's easy just to click and put up a black box or a rainbow flag or, you know, the hashtag during February Um, or during gay pride, especially like, you know, or like uh, March was women's history month. And it's just, (laughs) I'm like, those are all great. And I think they serve their purpose, but you know, once that month is over, right. Once that (laughs) month is over, we shouldn't just stop talking about them or celebrating them or educate or educating ourselves on what, what their, their history has been, their, their celebrations, their Mm -hmm. successes. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's hmm, slippery slope. And I've been sitting back watching and I'm just like, nah, this is like, infuriating <laughs> yeah yeah the social media thing was tricky last year um i i i understood and and agreed with and practiced everything that you that you said and think that was that was what i felt was right to take a big 
hard beat and just sit back and as you said, let other, other yeah. people who, who need to well, also share. not feel, not feel the pressure of like participating in the performative act of it, because yeah. like, like what I'm trying to do, I want to, to occupy what I can control and I can mm-hmm. only control the people around me. I can't control my followers. I can't control anonymous or bots. Like I just can't control that, but I can, I can control the people physically in front of me, the people that I work with, the people that I, you know, my small part of the world and everyone wants to think global, 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 but really like change only occurs when we start small. And that doesn't mean like a small act or a small movement because these movements should be big and radical, but it's, it's, you know, casting the net out and being like, okay, you have this corner, you have that corner, you, you have this demographic, you have these people, you, you know, and yeah, you work on them. And then collectively these like little bubbles start to grow and they start to overlap. And then that's where we see like, you know, consistent change and growth and, you know, Totally. Just taking out all the racists, homophobes. Oh, I know. I know. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm in a hurry for, for that, that to die. Racist, homophobes, that, mm-hmm. that closed-minded, ex- anything exclusive. It doesn't make sense to me that it still exists. I don't, again, it's a, it's a choice. It's, oh, I didn't know this was, I didn't know that I was privileged. I didn't know I've got a black friend. I've got a, mm-mm, yeah. mm-mm, you can't be that anymore. And I grew up in the South. And so I, I don't know. Like, I mean, you also grew up in a small town, but yeah. I don't know how much of that existed in your backyard. Oh, yeah. So much because where I grew up in the desert, it's like predominantly conservative and it's, mm. it's can't drink the water, can't drink the water, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, it's predominantly Mormon. Um, gotcha. Okay. And so it's very religious. So there's like very large Mormon population, a very large, you know, Catholic population, Mm. Um, and what's so interesting is, you know, where we are in the desert, you know, we have a lot of, um, Latin American residents and (laughs) I just like, y'all are so abusive to them. Like, no, they're not your help. Like, shut it down. Like they, they, they do more than just tend to your garden. That's, that's a, that's such a racist way of thinking and these things cut these words come out of their mouth i mean when i was growing up i haven't lived there now so i can't speak for them but yeah no i'm just like as a kid i'm like that just seems wrong and then you also yeah and a kid i don't know about you but as a kid i felt like i always knew what i mean you know in my backyard there was racism open racism Mm -hmm. and i would in my family and I knew that it was wrong, but I didn't feel like I had a place to say that it was wrong. So yeah. I had to do that thing where I was digesting wrongness and then carrying on with life around that. And it felt weird and wrong, but I didn't, I didn't know that I could say anything about it. I was also just a little bit more. Yeah. Cause shy. as kids we're not empowered to be able to think on our own. No, you're taught to sit down and shut up and listen to the grown ups. Just like when people say, well, I was raised Republican. I'm like, you can choose not to be. <laughs> Guess what? You can change. You know, like <laughs> I was raised to go hunt and kill deer and eat it. And I don't eat meat now. Like, see how you can change now. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh man. Well, so 
I'm trying to figure out where to begin with so many things that I want to talk to you about. And I don't want to be lazy and just say, tell me about your life. Um, I also, I'm going to take my belt off. This is really uncomfortable and you can't even see it anyway. So it's really a waste. Yeah, take it off. Um, I'm going to take it off. Let's get, let's get cozy here. Um, so I guess where I can start and we don't have to, we don't have to start here, but what I do want to say is oh, so much more comfortable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> belts are cruel. They're the worst. <laughs> I know belts and bras. Like if I've been, I mean, I don't wear either of those hardly ever, especially a bra. Thankfully I don't need to. Um, <laughs> but like if I ever have to, and I come home shoes, belt, bra, I mean, as I'm walking in the door, it is just yeah. off. I um, mean, belts just like, they're like, I'm going to like the belt buckle itself. I'm like, what is this form of torture? Like, I like, used to come after the corset. I'm a big fan of elastic waist. <laughs> yes. I, what I'm hoping will will continue is after we were all at home so mm -hmm. much more, I mean, for me, like almost exclusively for 2020, that we will totally embrace the change in fashion to yes. being more acceptable to be like, it's not a faux pas to be in your sweat somewhere. It's not, you know, yeah. or, and, and there's, there's a lot of really great ways to feel like you're in sweats, but still look cute. Like I love a jumpsuit and, mm -hmm. you know, like put me in a moo moo and I am happy as a clam, but that's one thing. That a, as you can see, I become a big fan of the sleeveless shirts. There you go. I'm like one, off that tat. I'm like one, it's like hottest ass down here in the South. Oh my God. Wait. Ugh, yeah, I know. Two, I do so much work in the kitchen that I'm mm -hmm. like, sleeves and cooking. Yeah. And now that <laughs> yeah. I'm not in professional kitchens, I'm like, screw it. Let exactly. The show. <laughs> exactly. Show them guns off. Yeah. Um, so what, what I was going to say and start with, and we can definitely take it probably a lot backwards from where I'm going to take it, but I was thinking about how I know you and how I met you. And that's a tricky thing to, to actually wrap up because we just like stumbled into being really comfortable friends without yeah. there being a huge backstory. There and was that no is, like formal introduction. It was like, no. you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be really great cozy friends now that we I'm don't see each other. I'm personal and tell you everything. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's honestly how it was with you. And truly... And I have a few people, you're one of them in my life who I'm friends with and that's how it started. And I just think that's a, that's such a cool thing about life that you can just meet someone and know it is a true love, instant connection kind of thing. I think we might've met, met over. No. So actually I probably know what it was. <laughs> so, I mean, I, obviously, you know, I used to work at Kindred. One of the things we, and I was working front of house at that point, I was the service manager. And one of the things we do is we always go through our reservations and try to understand and make sure we know who everyone is. And I'm sure I came across your name as, as being like did, a local did or something. Like a, yeah. Like so a they get like sense. SP. Yeah. Got it. Um, yeah. And so I probably Instagram stalked you and that's how I probably came across you. <laughs> what is this strange creature <laughs> i'm like all right well let's find out who she is and i'm like oh i'm gonna follow you <laughs> and then it just kind of i think we just had conversations and it just kind of went from there yeah i'd see you when i'd be out to dinner with my family and like i would be my family would be at the table and you and i would just be like talking over yeah. it, like about your life and what's going on it was an immediate 
so cozy, comfy, deep. If I can get deep with someone quickly, it's like, I know that they're a person that I want to be with. Cause I don't know any other way. Yeah. I, I don't know how to have a superficial relationship. I mean, I have, I can, but yeah. it doesn't fulfill me. That's yeah. I, I approach that too. I, <laughs> you know, people, they're always like, wow, you have no filter or you're just like very open, self-aware. And I'm like, well, I just kind of like throw it all at you to see if you can handle this crazy. And if you can, that's kind of a pat, you pass the test and like, let's. That's such a good way to look at it. Like well, if I just you don't, don't, yeah. I just don't have patience for, it probably is a, a combination of like being California raised, my mother being Southern and then living in New England for 14 something years. Like I got this like, kindness but with this like new england grit of like i have no patience for you like i just learned how to like okay we're moving on <laughs> like yeah and we're on to the next <laughs> yeah like you don't want to waste your time with someone who's not going to provide you anything that can nourish you in in exactly. some way yeah exactly. yeah i i get that so we must have we must have just been like magnets and yep. <laughs> um so how i met you was was pastry and food mm -hmm. So I would say, oh, that's your A side, right? That is your, yeah. your, your thing. Yes. I would say that pastry, food, anything yeah. food related, hospitality is definitely like my A side. Yeah. Um, well, you're really good what's funny is it was not my, my first career. It's actually was my second career. I had a, I had a completely pre previous life. <laughs> oh, these are uh, fun. I'm glad I took my belt it's off. it's funny because so... I turned 18 and I left my hometown and it's funny is I was like any young closeted gay kid was like, I'm going to be a Broadway dancer. <laughs> sure. And, you know, I danced growing up. That was like my thing, one of my things. And, um, I auditioned for a traveling performing arts group and I got, cast and I traveled the entire country and I lived in Spain, London, the Canary Islands um, for a whole year. I lived oh. out of a suitcase and it was crazy. Um, Did you love it then or were you even, were you yearning for something more stable? I mean, was it like, I need this instability right well, now or? So I didn't really understand. I mean, I'm an 18 year old kid who grew yep. up in a really small town where, you know, education was not a priority. I was, mm. you know, no one in my family had gone to college. They all, if they did, they barely graduated high school. Okay. <clears throat> and if you didn't go into some form of like military, you stayed home and, and just worked. Oh, so gotcha. I, and you know, gotta love us nineties kids. I was fascinated with the real world and I'm like, ah, like, I want to live in New York. I want to live in Boston. Chicago looks cool. Like all these places. And, you know, thank God they started reality TV because it exposed these small town kids to like these different areas to live. Totally. Plus all of this, I'm, yeah. I'm going through like accepting the fact that I was gay. I am gay. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't talk about it because I grew up in a Baptist church. Like I, Oy. yeah, you know, I just, and my family is, they're all kind of all over the place on politics, um, mm -hmm. literally, like anywhere from like 
I think you might have been one of the people at the Capitol. I keep watching oh. the videos too. You is know, that Uncle John. No. Yeah. No. Honestly, I was like, is that my birth father? Oh, um, <laughs> oh Lord, Justin. <laughs> to very progressive people, but wow. You know it it was just too, it was too much for me to like wrap my head around of where I fit into all of this. I was just, yeah. I had so many internal struggles. So yeah. I just shipped off and lived in a suitcase and lived on a bus for a year. Um, now I thought that I was going to be like the shit and like go to Broadway and everything. Um, but I got burnt out so quickly. It, mm-hmm. that lifestyle was not what I thought it would be. Yeah. And I couldn't see myself doing that all the time for a living. Mm-hmm. So then I met a That's boy. That's good that you were able to recognize that. Oh, and so I met a boy. Okay. All right. All right. And then I met a boy and he was <laughs> moving to Boston to go to Berkeley College of Music. And I was like, okay, I'll Sounds follow fun. you. So we dated for three weeks and then I moved out to Boston to be with him. And we ended up getting married and having a child. But, but um, Boston was interesting because I didn't think I was going to college. Like I, I didn't feel confident in my education. I barely graduated high school. Um, you know, I, I grew up always being told I was stupid um, oh, or that I was just another Burke because the Burks tend to have a reputation of misconduct sometimes. <laughs> gotcha. And mm-hmm. my parents were teenage parents you know, and, and that, at that point in that small town, like I was known already being labeled that or going through that struggle, of course, knowing that battling this like internal dialogue of like, am I gay? Mm -hmm. There was just no place for me to feel comfortable to talk about it freely and openly. Um, so Boston Boston was my new home and I moved to Boston right when Um, they started to advocate for legalizing same-sex marriage and becoming the first state. And my boyfriend at the time, he and I went to the state house to go do some rallying. We made our little signs and someone photographed our picture of me kissing David. Um, And it was the Associated Press and it ended up in like the post and so you were literally the poster child for gay marriage in boston after leaving your home your small town home not being able to come out yeah i wouldn't say i was the poster child in the associated press hey advertising for wow that's a lot all over um and it's such a like i still look at that picture and i get emotional because i'm like that is just like a snapshot of history oh to hear the dogs i think the mailman's here (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm waiting to hear the concrete out. And so far they're behaving, my concrete uh, boys. Four dogs. But yeah, so that like that happened and then I was out and, but I got the bug for politics. Mm. And so I worked in, you know, gay politics and that's what I went into college for. Wow. And I started as an intern for Mass Equality and then I became like a campaign manager certain people running for state rep senator i helped run their campaigns to get them elected because they were pro pro lgp eh, pro queer um there's so many letters sometimes (laughs) 
and we all joke about it. And I'm like, oh, there's so it keeps changing. I, I did there's I get it wrong? I know, but we can um, just we can just say queer. But I just love how we just adopted queer as like it just takes it all. And um, but yeah, yeah, so but but I worked a lot of canvassers, and we would have to go out to Western Mass. That was kind of my area, Western Mass and the Cape, and it's a little bit more conservative out there. Oh, okay. and you know, at this time, door to door. Oh yeah, because there wasn't social media. I'm really dating myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it we were going door to door, and we were we had to come out every single time to these people, and you didn't know where they stood. I mean, the the scariest thing I ever saw was when the guy had a shotgun, and I was like, "Wrap it up. We're not going to change his mind. We got to go." No. You just have to know when that person's not going to change so much has happened in my my short life since then yeah. that sometimes I almost forget That's that that true. is what I was doing yeah and it, but it played such a big part because it it's what encouraged me to go get two masters <laughs> so lord so then I did that and I I got two masters in sustainable international development and peace and conflict resolution and I was a, I was a United Nations fellow for peace building. Well, my goodness, you came from a family <laughs> who didn't have their degrees and look at you, you got so many of them. Yeah. So I became the first generation of my family to, to go to college. And then, and then again, <laughs> wow. Um, that's really, I hope that if you're not surrounded by um, pride being thrown at you from the people that you grew up with, I hope that you are able to, to get it on your own. Cause that's really I'm great. Very, very proud of my education. A lot of people ask me if I regret doing it because it's not what my career is now. And huh, I'm like, I value my education. <clears throat> I think <laughs> it's the process of learning. It is the, it is conditioning you to be open to always learning more and being hungry for more education. Totally. Um, and don't you but, think that those have all carried you on in, in, in life as far as just principles to live? Yeah, by? well, it's so also it's been a full circle moment because after I left working in restaurants and transitioned my career to food writing, it's yeah. now I'm, I'm combining these two moments in my life into one. Like I don't talk That's about good. food without including uh, a queer chef. Am I talking about indigenous food? Am I talking about history of food? And it helps me approach food where it's not this white guy is telling you about this food or you know what I'm not the right person to only be the voice in this piece mm -hmm. I need to pull in or I need to pass this on to the right person I don't necessarily have to be writing it I just like help creating it and guiding those other people you have a gift in in that and so it's, that's great that you're able to combine all of that how so how did you go into food from politics after you got your double masters yeah <laughs> how did i <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually a really funny story i'm a little bit of a control freak when it comes to my environment um and it was time for my <clears throat> then husband and i to find a new apartment and i was still in grad school because <clears throat> we got married in the summer between my first and second year and i was like hey i just I need you to go do this. I need you to go find an apartment. And that was a big step for me of like yeah. giving trust. that control. <laughs> uh -huh. Oh yeah. Um, we can talk about control and trust issues. And I was days. like, uh, just make sure that like it has character. 
he finds this like really great brownstone in the south end in boston which is like <laughs> the gayborhood <laughs> and i'm like and at this point and we, we didn't even get to talk about this at this point even though i was in gay politics i did not really embrace my sexual orientation very well mm-hmm. i was like on the struggle bus for probably probably until i was 34 um yeah. but so david goes gets this this brownstone it's charming there's ivy growing up in it and we sign the lease and we move in i was like where the hell's the microwave and dishwasher there's no garbage disposal i'm like there's no laundry in unit or in the building (laughs) it was a total total shithole oh so it had character 2750 a month (gasps) yeah but the whole point of how I got into food <clears throat> was that apartment was right above three of Barbara Lynch's restaurants. Okay. Who's a very prominent chef in Boston. She's a badass. Like, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I befriended a lot of the people working there because I worked in restaurants in school. Yeah. Like it, it was something that everyone I did. should do that, by and, the way. Every, yeah. Listener. Please work in service totally. um like you have to yep <clears throat> and they knew that i liked baking and so we would like chit chat it funny enough two of them went on to be on top chef Love yeah show. when david and i were wanting to start our family we knew we needed to save money um because it's very expensive to do surrogacy david's like idea for me to start an online bakery where like I would sell sell the stuff that I would make and then we would just use that cash and put it in our baby fund account yeah and one thing led to another and those top chef folks were doing pop-ups they invited me to like sell my stuff there and then it was very popular and what was supposed to be like a one-off turned into us doing pop-ups together for an entire year I like woke up as a pastry chef Wow. That's, that's a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work. Yeah. And starting it, you know, I'm very aware that a lot of my success is owed to my friends who were on top chef. They had this attention from the media. I started immediately in the public's view. So my failures were like public failures. Oh, okay. And you, do you think that helped you or made you get better faster because it was like sink or swim? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like to use the phrase fake it till you make it. Um, people would like to describe it that way for me. It, it just, I allowed myself to be in a very uncomfortable, vulnerable position. It would have been easy for me to just stop and say, no, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. But I, wanted to learn and I I was very happy I was feeling happiness even when I failed or made mistakes um even in the stress of it and so I kept pushing and pursuing you hear the concrete (laughs) (laughs) like it gave you a sound effect well we're in a blockbuster movie now that won't last long sorry that's really rude Rude. yeah no that's um I was just able to handle that vulnerability well that's that sentence right there i was i was able to handle vulnerability looking at vulnerability as a tool in a positive way mm-hmm. i think is beautiful and a lot of people are afraid to be vulnerable 
and then they're the people that don't learn and they don't grow. You know, you have to, because being vulnerable is scary, but scary isn't bad. And I think people associate those two things hand in hand. Fear is bad. Yeah. So I'm scared to be vulnerable. Therefore vulnerability is bad. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's pretty common. And and that was a, that's a pretty cool sentence. Thanks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Do, do you consider yourself someone who excels more or can work better in a pressurized situation? I used to be. Yeah. I used to be. I handle chaos very well. Like I get that. If like shit hits the fan or like there's a bunch of different fires you need to put out, I can process it and like put an action together and, and respond immediately. That's good. I do realize that I was allowing myself to be in toxic environments and I was allowing myself to be an emotional punching bag just because I had the ability to filter and absorb those things and didn't let it show in the moment, it did affect me in the long term. And now I'm, I'm realizing that I have so much anxiety. I suffer so much from depression because I put my, I, I didn't give myself respite and I was protecting so many people and wanting to make people so proud of me, mm. which stems from my childhood. Now, mm. I don't necessarily do well with the pressure and I sometimes put too much pressure. Like right now, I have a bunch of deadlines. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm worried that I did too much. I agreed to too much. So it's weird how I was able to do it, but now I'm realizing that I'm not, I'm not a superhero and I need to pump the brakes and but I value that perception now. Like I, I, I value my, my way of thinking that way. Yeah. It's protecting me. <clears throat> I, I was just going to say that. I think that, 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 you know, the older we get, we become more self-aware. We, we, we grow into ourselves and you learn just because you're good at something doesn't mean you should always be striving to do that thing. I'm okay with pressure and not okay with pressure. I think it just depends on like how I'm doing my, my mental health is doing. You're putting yourself first more than you used to. Correct. It sounds like. And I'm learning how to say no. And that's not, and I, I'm learning how to say no, that's not right. I will not do that. Boundaries, man. Boundaries <laughs> are something that I I'm teaching my kids. Cause I wasn't taught them. Mm-hmm. I, I had to employ them way, way late in my life. And I didn't even know that I could do that until way, way late in life. And I think it's important for us to teach our kids the importance of personal boundaries. Oh my gosh. It's just like with Jasper, you know, I don't say, give me a hug and a kiss. I say, can pop give you a hug? Can pop give you a kiss? Cause I never want him to feel like he has to do something he does not want to do. Wow. Especially when it comes to personal, personal space like that. Absolutely. And, yeah. and if you don't, you know, if you don't want to hug, you know, Gigi and coach goodnight, you don't have to. Yeah. Okay. I, love, I, I like that. Um, that mm. was something that I didn't know as a kid either. Um, uh, me either. And yeah. I found myself doing it to my kids because I didn't know any better. You know, I was a fairly mm. young parent. And then once I recognized, wait a second, I'm not even teaching them 
that they need to be comfortable, like explaining to them, understanding what discomfort feels like. Yes. Being able to recognize, wait, I'm uncomfortable right now. And then verbalizing that is such a powerful tool mm-hmm. to teach your kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's good That's that you're doing? Good, like, I just want my son to be equipped for, for whatever the world is like when he walks into it as on his own. That's so. beautiful. That's, I think it's the best thing that we can be teaching our child, those types of things and everything else. I love, I love being a parent. <laughs> it's the greatest thing. God, that kid's cute Thank too, you. man. <laughs> Not that that's all that matters, but he's a cute kid. <laughs> he's getting to that. He's getting into that phase of like, oh, my cuteness, I can get away with a bunch of stuff. Oh yeah. That's an interesting thing to like try to figure out how to hone. Yeah. And I'm also like, don't abuse this. Like, no. Don't abuse this. No, I think it's also just the, like, it's okay. Teaching them that there is more to them just being cute or pretty is that's, mm-hmm. that's where it lies mm-hmm. right there. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Um, you mentioned top chef and I always want to talk to people who work in food about this. Um, how are you with watching food in fiction? Usually it happens in like a lifetime movie. I'm like, oh, yeah. um, I'm like, your chef's coat would not look that clean after service. Like you know, that's a big can... old lie. <laughs> oh, that's so true. <clears throat> I actually give a lot of grace to lifetime and homework because it's just a complete bullshit. So I don't even attempt to yeah. try to put them, you know, in well, there, there was one, <laughs> one hallmark one where like, I've probably you know, seen it. she was the, the executive chef and, you know, she's out on the floor and service is about to start and her hair is down. <clears throat> and I'm like, oh, okay. all I could think about, I was like, oh, your hair needs to be up. Your hair needs to be up. <laughs> um, but when she starts to walk to the kitchen, she puts her hair up and I'm like, oh, like, I was, I, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what if the health department comes in? Um, That's but, why I wanted to, Yeah. I know. I, I look at it and I'm just like, that's just not realistic or. I find it also lazy. Like why, why can't they just get an expert? Yeah. Or like when they get the pizza and they're sitting, they're in New York city and they get the freshly hot pizza and it's winter and they open it up and there's no steam that comes out of the box. And I'm (laughs) like, you couldn't even do like CGI steam. Like, (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so funny. That's such a good one. One of my big ones Hmm. is okay. There's two. Um, it's the coffee, like someone's holding like, like a drink and they're just, it's like, there's nothing in that drink. It's an empty cup. At least pretend there's something in it or maybe put water in it. That and the women carrying their handbags when there's nothing in there. Hallmark is Hallmark and Lifetime. Next time you watch a scene with a woman in a purse, there's nothing in there and it looks so fake. Just put, put some stuff in there. Come on. That's funny. Put something in there. Put something in there. I do appreciate it when they do get it right. Totally. So right now, what is your, your main focus right now is your, if you wanted to share a little bit about like right now and what you would like to be doing. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> go. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the past couple of years has taught me patience. <laughs> oh, Lord. And, mm-hmm. you know, I left working in the restaurants because I knew that I could not be the parent that I wanted to be working in the restaurant industry. That's so good of you to recognize. But I knew that I didn't want to stop working in food. 
and I mean, I was going a mile a minute with these restaurants and I was with them for almost four years. When I'd show up at the bakery and it would be like 10 a.m. You were like, I've been up since yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) Sleep. Who needs that? (laughs) Um, And it just didn't make sense anymore. And I was like, this just cannot, I can't do it. I'm not getting anything out of it. So I transitioned to food writing and recipe development. And now, I mean, with 2020, the way it was and food media, like being ripped to shreds, which I'm so honestly grateful for because let's get rid of let's get rid of the unnecessary content and the unnecessary Mm -hmm. players and let's put the right people in place and let's tell the right stories I know where my niche is my niche is queer parenting and giving that representation and and also queer food and blending those two together um but I had COVID in July really bad yeah, <clears throat> and I board. am a long hauler, so I've had lingering symptoms. One of them was loss of taste and smell. So I didn't really work for six to eight months. Um, mm-hmm. I lost a couple contracts, and a cookbook deal fell through, which, rightfully so, I mean, I wouldn't have trusted my work. And I, and and you know, there were television opportunities too that I was just like, if. I will collapse. Like, I can't do this. Like, I'm sorry. Um, I'm fully vaccinated now. I've been symptom free since I've had the first dose. So I'm, I'm, I feel the best I have in over a year. I have a really exciting cookbook proposal that I just really hope someone gets. I don't want to talk too much about it, but it's. No, that's fine. Mm -mm. I'll give you like a little, it's very communal desserts that you would find in your chosen family's spaces. Hey. So I'm really beautiful. excited about it. It's just difficult to, to get a yeah. job in media right now. And it, and it comes down to, it just it, what comes down to what we were talking about when we first started talking, like privilege. Like I, yeah. I am not, <clears throat> I should not be awarded a position just because I said so. I, 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 want, I want to earn it because I earned it. And if there are other people who are more suited for that position or these roles, I applaud them and I celebrate them. I mean, I I could easily get jealous, but those aren't emotions that I embody. Mm -mm. The thing that I get is frustrated with myself. Like, okay, like it's, it's the frustration of like telling myself to keep going and not, not, thinking, not second guessing my decisions. I mean, I feel like you can only grow so much and come into your own and accomplish what you want to accomplish in the right way. If you've been through so many things that have taught you different ways to go around things and look at it in a different perspective. Also, I think you like, my God, just being handed something and having not earned it. Like, how do you get enjoyment from that? How do you appreciate it? You do. I don't think you do. I don't think those people are truly happy. I I 100% don't think that those people know true happiness. It's just, it's, it just blows my mind. And is I think I do eventually want to start my own publication and doing it in a way that is just honest. What happens so much to beginning writers is that they're told how to write or how to think that's where I am, you know, 
my A side is worth. <laughs> That's my <laughs> but that and that that is also that inclusivity and all of what you were just saying that is what queer food is i mean you ask different people what queer food means to them there's a totally mm -hmm. different response to that which i find beautiful and yeah. i but at the at the root of it all it's just anything and everything giving other all these opportunities to people who haven't had it before yeah. and like we talk about this all the time and like how do we define queer food and yeah. you know I think what's beautiful about it is just like you said there is no one definition because queer there's a there's a such a large spectrum yeah and food queer food fits into that spectrum yeah it could be the way it's prepared it could yeah. be the setting it could be who's at the table queer food to me is opening the doors to anyone and everyone and welcoming them in so it's with our chosen family but the food we're cooking is typically the food from our blood families that let us go. So we're still holding on to our past, but we're introducing it to our chosen family to build a new family. And that's what queer food is to me. And that's how I want to talk about it. So. Well, you just made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> that was so beautiful. And it made me cry one, because it's beautiful, but two, it's a weird thing to say that like, Oh, it's hopeful because it just, it's frustrating that it's not where we are. Um, it's also just, it's a truth. That's um, why I love the show Pose. Have you seen Pose? Not all of it. Every time I watch an episode, I'm like, man, I wish the younger Justin would have been exposed to this history and not oh, yeah. as a 36 year old. And that kind of, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier, but I'm just now feeling comfortable with my queerness you know I would never say I'm non-binary but I definitely wouldn't say that I truly fit in the male category and I don't necessarily truly fit in the female category but you know I don't need to label myself I'm just yeah. queer and yeah and it's and I, I, I'm so comfortable now I used to be so ashamed of it I never had gay friends I didn't go to like gay bars or do any like communal activities. I really rejected it in my twenties. Um, and I see the damage that has caused in my, myself, a lot of, a lot of confusion, a lot of missed opportunities of learning about my community, the history struggles, how like complex it is, but now it's, I'm like, I want to know more. I want to, that's well, that's great. I mean, that's, you know, give yourself, give the younger Justin grace because there were reasons that, that, that he, that you had to do those things and, and feel those things and put on whatever mask you had to put on. It's yeah. unfortunate that that was the way that it was, but it was the way that it was. And now, I mean, you've, you were a, a papa to a beautiful, healthy boy, and you have checked off all these things that you didn't even have on, you didn't think you were going to be on your list, but they, they <laughs> went on there and you checked them off the same time they went on and you're, you're making beautiful changes and you're, you're, you're doing so with, like I said, a very clear voice. And I yeah. hope that you retain the, that clarity because it's, it's really wonderful. And I personally can't wait to see your next move because that's how special you are thank you <laughs> You're welcome. all right well i love you dearly i'm proud love of you, you. all right Get on. bye, bye. You. love you bye love you too
Thanks for listening to B-Sides. Don't forget, you gotta walk the line and don't fall off. You gotta tip your hat to the waiter man. And don't forget to subscribe to B-Sides so you don't miss a beat. Love y'all. Be well.